Hey, before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about a place where dreams are made. If one of your New Year's resolutions is to get into the studio, finally get around to recording, maybe it's a single, an EP or an album, something you might have been talking about for a few years now, Bangers and Moss Studios in Hardy's Bay on the central coast of New South Wales is a place for you. Bob Trigg, he runs the show there. We only just recently had him on the podcast uh, a few months ago. The studio was completed in July of last year. That's 2022, so it's pretty spanking new and offers a comfortable and relaxed space. He's got all the gear there as well, so you don't really have to bring anything. He's got the drums, guitars, amps, the whole lot. It's ideal for bands, singers-songwriters, even for people like me, podcasters. Anyone who really wants to make a noise... It's all happening at Bangers and Mosh Studio. Say good day to Bob. Head to bangersandmosh.com. That's bangers with a Z. Now it's time for today's episode. Let's go, boys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. Hope you're well. Hope that the new year has kicked off the way you wanted it. Uh, and you are doing just fantastic. I just usually I keep this to the end of the podcast, but this week I've just got to I've got to say it now. I just want to say a huge thanks to people who have been listening to the Ritzy Kids' new song Hollywood Famous. Whether you've been streaming it, whether you've bought it, whether you know you you've stolen it in some sort of way, <laughs> I am thankful. And the band, we are very thankful to hear that uh, everyone's enjoying it at the moment. Um, I want to also say a special shout-out to a couple of radio stations that picked it up. 4ZZZ up there in Brizzy. They kicked off the breakfast show this morning by playing it. And I also want to say thanks to Radio Gulwa in Adelaide. They also put the song on. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Just a couple of kids playing some music. Okay, to today's episode... This is an absolute cracker. Eric Olsen from Mill and Colin. When you think about punk rock music, yeah, Bad Religion and Pennywise might dominate the US, but the whole landscape, the entire thing, all of Europe is dominated by Mill and Colin. I reckon they're the biggest punk band to come out of Europe. You can challenge me if you'd like but they're pretty hard to beat. They are an impressive band. And despite having a few technical issues, um, I, I spoke to Eric over Zoom, and usually Zoom never fails me. It goes quite well. This time, not so much. Uh, we're supposed to have the chat on the hour, and then another half hour went by, and we still couldn't work out why we couldn't see each other. In the end, the problem was all solved, but I ended up only having... About half an hour with him because uh, he had to go and pick up his daughter's car. But we got plenty in. There's a lot in this conversation. Uh, we speak about just the sheer love that the guys from Mill and Colin have for playing in the band. They say they wouldn't be able to function as people with, without the band. I love hearing that sort of passion. Um, all of them, they're entrepreneurs as well. They've got their own businesses. I know that Nicola, he's got his own brewing company. Eric loves his artwork. 
We talk about the time in the 90s when they had to change their style from ska to punk and the reason that they did it because they were getting a bit, I don't know whether it's shamed or embarrassed of what was happening at the time. So they changed their style slightly. And we also have a chat about the cool studio setup they have in Sweden. And how do they jam when they all live so far away from each other? I mean, Matthias and Eric are in the same town, but I think it's Lars. He lives like six hours away. So we talk about how the rehearsal works. And we also chat about a weird road rule in Sweden that is nowhere else. So I believe. It's definitely not here in Australia. Let's get him on. Eric Olsen from Millencol. Hey! <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Bloody technology. I, I, yeah, I, I never got the second invite for, uh, from you. Yeah, maybe I sent it. I might have sent it to the wrong email. Yeah, that should be it, but I never, I never got it. And anyways... Uh, some issues with my MacBook Pro, but my my stationary computer seemed to to work. I love the MacBook Pros. I think they're the best computer of all time. But I, I think it's probably just my <laughs> my doing here. I probably just pressed something I shouldn't have or something. So I think it was something with with, with some issue with no per, some permission of the of the camera or something like that. But but on my stationary it works fine. Okay, that's all right. We're here. This is weird. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. It, it follows you. Wait, hang on. Or are you doing that moving a, uh, your MacBook or is that or, or just doing that? No, no, no. I, I got the brand new 27 studio display, blah, 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 uh, Mac. Yeah, a new setup here with, with a Mac studio and, and, and a 27-inch display. But I, I just noticed it. So weird. <laughs> well, very cool, mate. We are recording, so we uh, may as well get underway. Yeah, I, 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 must, I must say I got like... 30 minutes now because then I need to pick up my daughter's car. Yeah, that's all right. 30 minutes is enough. That's fine. <laughs> it's good to see you, mate. You and I have actually had a chat before. 2011, I think it was. It was a long time ago now. I reckon you guys were coming out to Australia. There's a big tour on. You guys have been out to Australia a few times, haven't you? You must, you must love it. I truly love it. And we were just there. Uh, the last show was was in, in in Brisbane for us just before Christmas. So I haven't counted yet, but it must be close to twenty times or something. We toured oh, right. Australia first time first time in '95. To be honest, it's the best place. I, I I enjoy myself the most in Australia of all all cities. California is great too, but but otherwise, just being in in Australia, I love it. Love the the shows and just love hanging out in Australia. You've got a huge fan base here, um, obviously in America as well. And our weather is quite similar, especially in Sydney to California. Is it the weather you like in Australia? Uh, what is it? I mean, the weather is always perfect. It's just like, I think Australia got like the best of the US and not the, the bad stuff. <laughs> uh, it, it feels a lot like like the US and, and the culture and everything with the, with surfing and, and everything. It's just like, uh, it, it feels like, it feels like melancholy in a way. We formed a band from, you know, the Californian culture and, and skateboarding and everything. And, and Australia fits in there perfectly. Yeah. And that culture is so big here. You know, we love our skating. We yeah. love punk rock. So you guys are, are basically like Australia's sons. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. How did get a Good Things Festival go? It's um, it, it reminded me of Soundwave. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like Soundwave. And 
the same people behind it as well. So it's so crazy that some some of those guys working with, with now with good things at Destroyer Alliance, they've been working with us since like even on our first tour. No, no, not the first, second maybe, but at least like they've been working with us since like 97 or something like that, 98. It, it, it's great. It's just like uh, Gareth or a guy coming and picking us up at the airport. It feels like, ah, we're back home on the other <laughs> side of the planet. <laughs> Is it the same guy picking you up? Has he been picking you up all this time? Yeah, it's either him or there's a few guys who can pick up pick us up, but it's just like you know, it's it's almost like family now these days. Yeah, yeah. And Chris, who run, Chris is he's like the major guy of Destroyer Alliance, and he's like the head of of good things. He used to do our merch back in early 2000. How has the tour life changed? You've been coming out here twenty. You've been here twenty times since 1995. Yeah. And you're still the same band, you know, you're still the same guys. And you guys have been putting out decent record after decent record. What keeps you guys on the road all this time? I would just love it. And, and, you know, it's such a huge part of our lives. You know, we we can't really, of course, we got other stuff going on in our lives, but but still, Millington is such a huge part of who we are. And I mean, I don't think anybody of us would be able to live without it. And, we still love playing playing live. I mean that that's the that's the main that's the main reason why we're doing this. I mean traveling. I mean okay, going to Australia that's great, but just like traveling to like European festivals or whatever. I hate airports and, and all that stuff and and just like all the logistics and all that crap. But every time you're up on stage, it's like so worth it. It's great. And then I love everything around Milan as well. I'm doing you know all the artwork and. And all our merchandise and stuff like that is fun. And obviously, since 1995, all of your lives have changed a lot. You've got families yeah. now. How do you how do you deal with that? And having to be out on the road away from your family for so long. Uh, Nicola was the first guy who who had a, a kid, and this was around like early 2000. Uh, and then he said, like, to be able to do this, we can only tour for like two weeks, and then we have to be home for a month, and then do two weeks. And that's what we've been been doing. So I mean, it's actually great. I mean, I spent more time with my daughter than most parents have, you know, since we we're just away for for that period of time. And then I, I work with other stuff as well. But but I can move around my schedule and work a lot from home. I'm working from here, my office in my, in my house mostly. So I've been there for the family the whole time. Not only music, not only family, but like you said earlier, you've all got these. Um side hustles going uh, i know you're an artist and you've done yeah. all the mill and yeah. colin work nicola has the beer matthias has the uh he has yeah. the hot sauce does the hot sauce yeah. ever ever come out on the road or the beers <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so much beer so much but yeah and, and of course there's hot sauce around uh, as well but we help each other too you know I, i'm doing some I, I haven't done the logo to to mad mad's hot sauce but but i'm doing some ads for him and and I help him out with stuff, and and the same with Nicola. I did his first logo, but now he's changed the name to to another name, his brewery. But but we're we're all connected, and we are creative persons, and we really need to have these side projects going. Otherwise, we otherwise I guess we would get sick of Milan Colony if it was just the band. You know, I'm a partner and marketing manager for a boat company as well. That's what's taking up most of my time these days. Jeez, you are busy. But I work. I, st- I still work from here, so that's okay. 
I can still pick up my my daughter's car in the middle of the day. <laughs> Has it blown up or what's happened to the car? In, in Sweden, when you're 15, she's 15. It's a BMW uh, 320, uh, but you can lock it to, so it just runs in for uh, 30 kilometers an hour. So it's basically registered as a tractor, and that's super popular here. But there's oh, so much issues with, with that with that car. It's from uh, 2007. Quite okay. expensive when you bought it because you you need to uh, like the gears. They're just like two gears because it only runs in, in, for 30. And then they lock up doing all this programming with, with the ECU on, on the cars. And I'm not a mechanic at all. Uh, but now it's just started to act strange. So I put it to the dealer, and uh, but uh, they, they found the issue. And it was some weird electric issue. So, But I'm picking it up so, so she can drive to McDonald's at um, with her friends uh, during uh, his, her lunch break <laughs> because she's in school right now. <laughs> You're a good dad. You're a good dad. And so are you saying the car can only go a certain speed? It can't go over that? Yeah. No, no, it, it has to, to go in 30 kilometers an hour. Okay. They are annoying, those cars, uh, on the road. You know, they always end up with behind one of those, and they have like a, they have like a triangle in the back, like a reflective triangle, that shows that it's like a slow vehicle. Oh. I hate those. I, I never thought my daughter would have one of those, but now everybody's got them here. We don't have them here in Australia. We, yeah, um... I think it's Sweden is the only it's the only country in in the European Union, and there was just like a, a huge thing in the European Union if they were still going to allow sweden to have those tractors but um, apparently they allowed us she can go to places without me being need to drive her and stuff so it's all good as long as that that, that car works <laughs> <laughs> i jumped on youtube just to get a, a bit of hit of nostalgia of millen and just watching you guys recording penny bridge pioneers back in the day such a cracking album. And I mean, that was the one that really put you on the world stage, wasn't it? It's impressive that you guys were coming out here in 1995, way before that album came out. Take me back to that time when you recorded Pennybridge. And that was in California, I believe, with Brett Gurewitz. Yep, at West Beach Recorders in, in Hollywood. And it was, you know, like a dream come true, you know, for us. And it felt like the, the 90s, we put out three albums. And it felt like those albums were like, uh, you know, we tried to copy the, the American bands we love, like No Effects, Pennywise, Operation Ivy, and, and those bands, and tried to do, trying to do what 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 they did, and we had a, I mean, a huge success, especially like in Sweden, we had sold gold albums and stuff like that uh, in '96, and we toured a lot of those years, and then we took a break in '99, and it felt like then it was time for Chapter Two of Melancholy, where we started to write you know more uh, music from you know our, doing our own thing in a way and then also going to hollywood and getting that dream complete and everything it felt like chapter two of melancholy and i think we're still on the, on the chapter two to be honest it felt like we, we became like a real band and we also stepped it up like you know, playing like bigger festivals and bigger stages and touring we now started to be on like real buses and stuff like that before it was more like van touring and then stuff like that yeah absolutely when you had those songs for say Pennybridge pioneers did you know you had something special no no not, not really not really uh but it felt like we 
the ska music we used to play before and just wrote like a little bit more serious stuff felt like we grew grew a little bit during that year where, where we didn't it was actually just six months we we, we didn't tour or we didn't do anything with the band we were like on hold but then when when brett wanted to to produce us we were like of course we need to do this before Prenny Bridge, you were playing a lot more ska music. I think there was trumpets and, and stuff like, uh, you know, bits and pieces there. Uh, saxophone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. I can, I can vividly yeah. remember that. And, and why did you decide to get rid of that sort of style? In Sweden, we had like an identity crisis a little bit. Like in 96, 97, we, we were huge here. We were like top of, of, uh, of the charts and stuff like that. But it felt like, like we were kids. And we were playing skateboarding music. So it felt like we never really... And our crowd also started to... Before, there was like our skateboarding friends like in the crowd. And now there were, you know, mostly girls aged 15 to 18 or something like that. You know, we we became like pop idols in a way, in Sweden, <laughs> yeah, just wow. in Sweden. But, but it also felt like that went hand in hand with those that kind of crazy, funny... Uh, pop songs we did back then and we started to get sick of those because it felt like nobody really took it seriously you know like uh, in the media we were still like this bowling skateboarding funny kids so I think that's what especially got Nicola it was him he, he, he was like no I need a break now because he's got really serious with other music projects and, and stuff and it, it felt like I think we all I don't think anybody outside of Sweden uh, recognized this, but but in Sweden, uh, our credibility just like dropped because younger the the guys uh, little sisters started who was our original fans. They started to listen to us, and then the cool guys couldn't listen to us uh-huh. anymore. Oh, they did, but it's, it's still like felt, just felt weird. And then we quit playing shows in Sweden too. We didn't play shows in Sweden for three or four years, and then when we when we got back to Sweden, all of a sudden it was like, whoa, it's Millencolin, they're huge in the world, blah, blah, blah. And then we just definitely made it, you know, a big step up in Sweden. So it was a good strategy, which we just, which just happened. So, but, but with that said, I mean, that's why we wanted to be more serious with Penbridge Pioneers. We needed to do something new. Otherwise, we couldn't go back and do what we did before. And the ska stuff was... Matthias, he hated the ska from the beginning, and and it's just like I was good to become more of a rock band instead yep. of a pop punk crazy band. Um, <laughs> that is interesting that you say that, that Matthias sort of didn't like it from the start, but you released three records and he stuck around. It must be uh, he must just yeah, really like he you wrote, guys. Wrote some of those silly songs as well. Yeah, although I think I've. Oh, I wrote more ska songs than than uh, than Matthias on on that album, and also with Penbridge Pioneers, uh, I haven't written a song since uh, Penbridge Pioneers, and I just wrote some stuff there because I, I started to work uh, focus more on my creativity on on the graphic side. Wow! So you haven't you haven't written a song for Mill and Collins since Pennybridge Pioneers? Um, no, 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 no. I, I haven't written a song for uh, Mill and Collins since Four Monkeys. To be honest, I didn't write any of the 
I mean, I've read some of the parts, uh, guitar parts, but 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 no, uh, nothing from the beginning. Like in the beginning, I wrote like Mr. Clean, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the first big one, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it still is one of those songs. Nicola wrote a lot on that too, but, but it was my original, you know, riffs and, and melodies. And I wrote Star of My Life, Star Song, yeah. the original, like the intro and that part. It wouldn't have been a song without me. And, and then there's some... I, I wrote maybe I wrote like three songs an album uh, on the first three albums, but Nicola and Matthias were always the, like the main writers of, of the band, and I still can write stuff, but I just I, I don't come around anymore just messing with the guitar. It's just like uh, I'm more so much more into the graphic stuff. When when a song is written by say Nicola or Matthias, um, they send it on to you, and then you sort of add your parts. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's it, it's a little bit different these days. I say seventy uh, percent, or, or maybe sixty percent of, of the of the songs are Nicholas' ideas, him singing with acoustic guitar, sending that to Matthias, and Matthias, he's like he get the vision with, with this the speed of the song, the drum pattern, and and how to transform that acoustic song into a punk rock song or a rock song. So then he he's just we, we got a studio, and he sits in the studio and and like make punk rock songs out of Nicholas songs. And then Matthias got, got, got ideas from in the beginning as well, like his, his own songs, which he sent to Nicola, but they are like with a drum machine and just some vocals where uh, Matthias sings. So they work on, on the songs. Yeah, wow. Well, it's very cool that you're giving me a good glimpse into uh, how Mill and Colin operates. That's uh, the, the two last albums. Before yeah. that, it was more like... Collaborative. Yeah, everyone sort of... Yeah, and, and the thing is, we're so spread out now. Like, me and Matthias still lives in Urbru, which is Pennebridge. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we live here, hang out pretty much every day. And then uh, Nicola, he's been in Gothenburg since 97 or something. And Larson, like five or six years ago, he moved down to Malmo, which is like seven hours from here, or six wow. hours, whatever. Every time we need to rehearse, it's like a big thing. They need to travel for... Uh, he needs to travel for six hours to get up here. So it kind of destroyed the whole going into yeah. our studio, which is also a rehearsing room, and just mess around. So I guess that's what made it to become that way, because we actually had rehearsed as well with, with Nicola in his kitchen over FaceTime. With with a with the bass and he's singing, <laughs> <laughs> and it works. And, you know, especially like that's for for live stuff. When we like, okay, let, let's have this song, and we're going into this bridge, and then we change it to this song, blah blah stuff like that. So we just prepare before the tour, which is more like just strategy talking, more than you know practicing our songs because we can usually play everything. Yeah, and anyway, we don't really have to practice. Do you guys have your own studio? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's handy. I heard Mike Herrera from MXPX talking about how some bands got the studio very early on in the days, you know, and he sort of wished that he did that back then. I know he's got a studio now. And they, they get a house. They get a house. Yeah. MXPX house, which is like <laughs> the, the whole <laughs> one whole floor is, is like their studio. Incredible. <laughs> what, what's your studio like? Uh, it's a really, really great studio. Uh, it's called Sound Lab Studios. Uh, Matthias and a guy called Mieszko. He was the he was the main singer and songwriter for a, a grindcore grindcore band called Nazo. They're really huge in the like in that scene. But he died in in the tsunami in in Thailand. Oh wow! So then Milan kind of like bought uh, 
Mieszko's part, like the family part. Uh, and we also like paid out Matthias. So ever since then, we bought the studio, so we own the studio. But there are, there are tons of, of bands. They recorded lots of bands back in those days, Matthias and Mieszko. Like a lot of Burning Heart bands and, and stuff like The Hives recorded stuff there and, and, and stuff. So it, it's a real studio. But seven years or so six years ago, they tore that building down. The company who, who managed the, the, the house, they, they put in, they built a new studio for us. So now nice. we've got a brand new, super, super good studio with like this architect doing the acoustics and blah, 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 blah. So it's a really, really good studio. Unreal. Uh, will there be new new music coming out of that studio this year, you reckon? Mm, we got some ideas, but maybe not this year. Maybe in, we, we, we're going to tour until we're booked until October or something like that. October. Yeah. Uh, maybe a song or two. Not an album this year, but maybe next year. You're doing South America. Yeah, exactly. Just been sitting here booking the flights. You need when you travel like transatlantic. You need at least three hours when you when you like in Frankfurt. Yeah, like when we got back, we ended up uh, an extra day in Bangkok on our way back from Australia. The, the last time it was a four hour delay. <laughs> even oh. even we, we still we still had had a four hour layover. <laughs> <laughs> so it's terrible these days. It's a long way to Australia, isn't it? Man, it, it it took us almost three days to get back home because of that layover. And you've done that twenty times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not with that layover though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is crazy. Well, look, the band's been going for you know a long time now. If you had one moment, what was your big wow moment? What was your favorite moment in the band so far? Whoa, during all these thirty years. I, I guess the Warp Tour uh, two thousand was a huge uh, tour lasted for almost like eight or nine weeks I, I, I believe that 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 one and it was just like a summer camp you know it felt like you know you were in in one of those uh, Hollywood movies like a summer camp movie that it was so much fun you know traveling with all, all the, those bands buses and, and a new festival every day days off and just hanging out and also we were skating with 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 our skateboarding idols back then too. You know, Steve Caballero and, and those guys. Every night we were just doing like all the competitions and stuff like that. So I guess that was definitely one of the highlights of our career. Yeah, an absolute magical time. Look, you've got to go and pick up your daughter's car. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today, uh, Eric. We've had our technical, technical dramas. <laughs> <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Yes, it yeah. always does. It always does. It was really lovely to chat with you. Uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on what you're doing with your art. I'm going to be checking when Mill and Colin's going to be releasing some stuff. I have to get out and see you again. I think I've seen Mill and Colin about seven times now. Awesome, awesome. I'd like to get in the double digits next year. We'll definitely we'll, we'll, uh, come back for our own club tour the next time. You know, next time we won't be like around a festival, I believe, because we we really love playing the club shows in Australia. So that will be the next time. Maybe not during this year, but definitely 24. Sounds good, Eric. Thank you so much for jumping on the Street Press podcast, mate. Awesome. Cheers. Eric from Millen Colin. An absolute pleasure having him on. Hopefully some new Millen Colin this year, maybe a song or two he was saying. If not, could be an album in 2024 and 
potentially coming back out to Australia for the 21st time. That would be incredible. Can't wait to see him again. Now it's time for this. This is the part of the show where you can write on in, say whatever you want. If it's uh, not too out there, I might read it out. That's how we do it. Uh, this one actually has come in from Steve the Benner guy. He lives up in Newcastle. Uh, he's done a, a bit of work for the band. He creates the Benners, the cool Benners behind the band that you see on stage. You know what I'm talking about. Um, I think he was looking to see if we had actually put his Benner up which we absolutely love. He says, congratulations to the Ritzy Kids. Looks like an awesome debut performance and a great night. He was writing that on a video of our debut show. Thank you so much, Steve, the Benner guy. Hey, don't forget, you can get your request in. Go to thestreetpresspodcast.com forward slash request and you can request an artist or a band that I should interview. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Lincoln Lefevre he was requested by my mate Tim. Uh, Scotty, he wants to see Ben from Slowly Slowly. Uh, there's been a call out for Kieran J. Callanan. So uh, if you think there's someone that I should interview, hit it up. The streetpresspodcast.com forward slash request. I think that's it for this episode. Thank you so much. Don't forget we drop them every Wednesday. I'll catch you here same time next week. Ta-da. 